to Book Around with me, Dominic Goulden. Today we have an episode I am very excited for. One of the most interesting Japanese works of literature, The Sailor Who Fell from Grace with the Sea, uh, by one of the most interesting Japanese authors, Yukio Mishima. I am very excited to tell you all about it, everything I love about it. Let's get into it. Hello friends and welcome back to Book Around. As you can probably tell from that introduction, I am very excited to tell you all about this book. So let's get straight into it. So, The Sailor Who Fell From Grace With The Sea by Yukio Mishima is a wild ride, to say the very least. Um, Yukio Mishima himself is a wild ride and I feel like to do justice to him as a man, I would need to do a whole entire episode kind of all about his his lifestyle. And I think I want to do that at some point. I don't know when. Uh, I don't know if it'll be part of this series or or maybe a separate um, sort of spin-off thing. But Yukio Mishima is a fascinating figure for all the wrong reasons. Um, he held really extreme, far, far right-wing politics he literally tried to throw a coup against Japan to restore it to the original values of Bushido, like the samurai code. The guy is a trip. Um, but this podcast is not about the man, it is about his work. So, in addition to being a wild character, he was one of the most gifted writers to have ever lived. His contributions to literature are amazing. Um, he was the first, um, the, the sort of trivia about him is, the first time Japan has ever called somebody a superstar, so in the 1960s he was referred to as a superstar um, because he was just uh, an incredibly talented guy, he was an amazing uh, author, he wrote plays, he was a bodybuilder, uh, he was like really good at karate, he was an actor. He, he appeared in lots of Japanese films. Uh, he was an intellectual. He was a lecturer. So even though his politics were far out of line with my own and totally alien to me, I can respect what he achieved with his life. And he was quite a tortured, complicated guy. We'll get to him in another episode. Today we're looking at his story, The Sailor Who Fell From Grace With The Sea. So, on my little description, I have kind of insinuated that this is like a more extreme version of Lord of the Flies. And that is largely true. Okay, it's not about kids who are stranded on an island, but it is broadly about adolescents who are left unattended to their own devices and the kind of psychopathic ideas that come up in there. So let's get into the story. So it starts with our protagonist, if you like, villain protagonist, I suppose, Noboru who is a 13-year-old Japanese kid. He has recently lost his dad in the last year or so, and his mum, uh, Fusako, is, um, is, is his sole carer and, and looks after him. Now, for all intents and purposes, from what we can gather, uh, Fusako is uh, a good mum, is nice, is kind to him, and Noboru is just... Uh, a psychopath is completely ungrateful and does some bizarre things. So in chapter one, the very first thing that we learn about Noboru is that he has recently found a peephole 
into his mum's room where he hides in uh, a set of cupboards or a drawer, I think it is, and watches her undress, which is as weird and as perverted and as nasty as it sounds. Um, however, we don't get the impression he does this for sexual reasons, if you like. He does it as a, a power trip. So this is our first clue that he's a psychopath. Um, it states in the novel that he won't do it when his mum is kind to him, but he does it when she scolds him. So it's like his strange, perverted way of taking power back and feeling like he's actually in control over her and she's vulnerable. Um, it's a bizarre way of opening a story and, and quite hard to digest and quite off-putting, but it does become an important feature of the narrative later on. So that's what we learn about Noboru and Fusako. Um, our other main character who comes into it shortly thereafter is Ryuji, who is a sailor who is docked in that area at the time. So we learn a little bit about Ryuji. He's sort of somewhat arrogant man. He's partially likable and partially annoying. He's a mixed bag of a character. In a nutshell, he has some strange, whimsical, vague ideas about the sea and sailing being heroic and manly and that he's on a quest for some sort of unspecified adventure or fulfilment that can only be achieved through being a wanderer on the seven seas. Um, but ultimately, his ideas are a bit vacuous, a bit shallow, a bit strange. And he becomes obsessed with this particular song about uh, a sailor. It's it's some pop single that's on the radio, but it's it's about a sailor, and he he like sees that as his song and sees himself as the protagonist in that. So where all of these characters end up meeting is that while Ryuji is on shore leave, he strikes up uh, an amorous relationship with Fusako, which Noboru spies on. So he spies on them being intimate through the peephole, um, and when they are getting down to business. Instead of looking at her, there is a, a foghorn, a ship's horn from the docks in the background, and Ryuji turns away from her and turns towards the sea. Now, the easy explanation for that is that he was startled because there was a loud noise behind him and he turned to look at it. But Noboru sees this as the definition of life. He sees that men are dominant and adventurous and should pursue uh, their own... Um, their own meaning and their own adventures, and that women are, are secondary. So it's an extremely misogynistic sort of book. I don't think it was meant in that way from Mishima's point of view, but obviously from the character of Noboru, he's a very misogynistic character. He doesn't value women at all. So that, that sets up the premise that um, Noboru now sees Ryuji as some kind of hero for turning away towards the call of the sea and turning away from the um kind of pedestrian pleasures of of intimate relationships with women okay um so we carry on and we learn a little bit more about them and he's still dating Fusako and we learn about uh Fusako owns a little shop on the dock front um which is doing okay for itself and she's just a generally fairly wholesome character she is presented in a bit of a she's a bit potato you know, she, she's presented in a kind of bland, um, girly way where she's a little bit generic and doesn't have very much in terms of a defining personality. But what we do learn about her uh, gives, you know, makes me feel positively towards her. She seems like a relatively nice person. Anyway, um, 
we learn at this time about Noboru uh, being in a gang. Not a gang gang, but it's like an intellectual gang. So his friends, if you want to call them that, we learn that the leader of this gang is this kid called the Chief. And the other kids are number two, number three, number four, number five. Uh, Noboru, if I remember correctly, is number three. So they have these arbitrary titles. And some of the best writing in the book and some of the most interesting and evocative scenes are when this gang are doing their things. So the first time we really meet them, they are off having a, a meeting uh, behind uh, a disused sort of railway siding, um, behind some oil drums. And they're talking about the futility of life. And the chief uh, is one of the most interesting literary characters I have ever come across in any book. I don't think I've ever hated a character as much as I hate the chief. But equally, he's so compelling. Everything about him is really interesting as a study of just a psychopath. So the, the sort of idea of psychopathy. Um everything about him he is pretentious he is manipulative he is domineering he has a cult-like following so the chief sits and pontificates on all these really strange abstract ideas that are way beyond his years and he doesn't understand any of them and the more we learn about him the more we learn he comes from kind of a loveless family who are quite wealthy but leave him alone a lot and unattended uh, he claims to have read every book in the house but probably hasn't understood them he claims that he can know what any book is about just by looking at the cover. And he ultimately feels that he's exhausted all the possibilities of life and is now um, depressed and bored that there is nothing that life has to offer. So it's not that surprising that he tries to find fulfillment in violence and murder. So the first act of violence that we see the gang do together is um, to, to kill a kitten. And it is disturbing like genuinely disturbing it moved me to tears the first time i read it i'm not ashamed to say it genuinely made me cry even though it's a fictional kitten in a book just the idea of it and the nastiness uh with which it's it's done and the coldness with which it's narrated is it's the most disturbing account of a murder i've ever read in a book um but also even in that process the way it's written unve unveils kind of a lot about the uh the feelings and the the psychopathic kind of tendencies certainly of the chief um the rest of the gang i'll leave it up to you if you think they are followers who are just suckered in by him or if they're psychos themselves clearly naburu's got some problems of his own but this goes on and ultimately ryuji goes back uh, so ryuji the sailor goes back to the sea and naburu is happy he thinks it's beautiful that he's leaving his mom his mum's torn up, crying, because she's going to miss him, and she'd fall in love with him. And Naboru thinks that's beautiful as well. He thinks that's how life should be, which is a very depressing indictment of Naboru's life view. But that's how it is. But where it gets interesting, and the twist comes in, is that Ryuji genuinely fell in love with Fusako, and he comes back to live with her and to be like a dad to Naboru which you would think, oh, that's a happy ending. Maybe Noboru will become a nicer person now. No, hates him. Sees it as a weak thing. Because of the chief's teachings, he considers a father to be the weakest thing any man can be, that it's pathetic and self-aggrandizing and sort of obsequious and should be cut out. So 
The story goes on and Noboru makes uh, a blacklist against Ryuji where he writes down the unmanly things that he does. Ultimately, he presents this to the chief and the boys eventually decide that the only reasonable course of action is to murder Ryuji while he still has some heroic traits as a sailor uh, before he can disgrace himself anymore. And that becomes the premise of kind of the, the back end of the book, which is just as terrifying as it sounds. Um, everything about what these kids do, the way they think, the way they get away with it because they seem harmless and, and they can play up to that. It's a scurry, scurry book. So it's a, a gripping thriller. It's kind of um, it's a look into the inner workings of the minds of kind of psychopaths. It's partially a love story, I guess, albeit a, a slightly shallow and surface level one. But this book has just got so much interesting stuff. It's only about 200 pages and there's so much stuff in there. It makes you feel so many emotions. Ultimately, it's quite a bitter, depressing, pessimistic book. It's not a feel-good novel by any stretch. But my goodness, is it encapsulating. And it, it's... The writing style is glorious. Mishima's command of just making you feel like you're right there. His, his writing's so evocative. Um, very vivid pictures in your brain that'll stay with you for longer than you probably want. So I can't recommend it enough. 11 out of 10. Amazing piece of work. I probably will do... Um, I probably will do an episode on, on Yukio Mishima at some point, but I don't exactly know when that will be. So, I could go on for days. I could make a half-hour episode, an hour episode, a three-hour special about this book, but I won't because I feel like if I keep talking, I'm going to spoil some of the bigger plot points for you, and I don't want to do that. I want you to read it for yourself. If you only take one recommendation away from this series of a book to read, so season one, like my big recommendation was Things Fall Apart by Chinwa Achebe. Season two, take this one, treat yourself. If it's payday, go and treat yourself to Sailor Who Fell From Grace With The Sea by Yukio Mishima. You won't regret it. It's an incredible book. So next week, we are going over to the Philippines for the first time on this podcast. And we are going into young adult fiction, actually. I decided to branch out a little bit on this particular uh, season, so we're going to be doing some different things, we're going to be doing some non-fiction, we're going to do some poetry. Um, I didn't just want to stick to pure, hardcore, classical literature, I thought let's branch out a little. So next week, Philippines, young adult fiction, you might have some ideas about what I'm referring to because it's a prize winning book, but we'll see next week when I'm back. So I'll throw over to myself with the outro. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Book Around, please consider following me on social media at Book Around Podcast on Facebook and Instagram or on Twitter at Book Around Pod. You can also get in touch with me if you'd like, bookaroundoutlook.com. Um, you can drop me ideas for future episodes or you can just give me feedback, positive or negative. It's all good. I just like to hear from fans of the podcast. So until next time, stay safe and keep on booking around. Thank you.